Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find a link to our playlist in the show notes. Welcome to episode 60. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Telenova. The supergroup from Melbourne, Victoria have just released their debut EP, entitled Tranquilize. In today's episode, we're talking with Angeline Armstrong about how the band formed, what each member brings to the table, and the genius of early Coldplay. Here we go. Our guest today is one third of a new indie supergroup from Melbourne, Australia. After working together at a songwriting camp and forming the band, they've just released their brilliant EP Tranquilize as of last week. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours from Telenova, Angeline Armstrong. Good afternoon. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. That's good. That's very good to hear. Now, uh, congratulations are in order as uh, the brand new EP, Tranquilize, is out in the world um, and available for people to access. Uh, what's What's it like finally being out there? Ah. Uh, Look, it's great. I I think a lot of musicians probably experience this where you, you write the song in its demo form and on pen and paper and then you finally record it and things can just slow it down in terms of the release timeline. So, yeah, we wrote these songs quite a while ago now and it's it's nice that the telenova that's existed in our, in our little circle um, can finally exist out in the world as well. Of course, it is. Um, it is very exciting. You guys, uh, yourself and the other two guys, released a few songs in the lead up to the EP, but yes. this is the first collection that the band, like collection of songs that the band has put out. That's um, right. Yeah. Was the idea to to put out an EP from the get go? Was it kind of an idea that came as you had written more songs and, and kind of organically happened? Um, look, we, I mean, the way the whole band started was just us writing songs together. Like even before, even before we said, Hey, we're a band, we we were just writing songs because we enjoyed it and we liked the songs we were writing and we weren't exactly sure what was going to happen with them. So I think, um, it it just, they're just seem, I mean, we've written heaps, we've written more than this EP. So there's definitely a lot of music being recorded and in the works to be put out in the world. Um, and there just seemed to be pretty natural delineations between sort of sonic quality and the sort of period of time where we wrote songs where they seemed to fit within a particular body of work. So, yeah, we didn't necessarily sit down and go, hey, let's write an EP. Um, but, yeah, as we wrote together, we sort of quickly realised that the music we were writing had a pretty strong character 
um, and sound of its own. So, yeah, those songs made sense together on an EP of five. Of course. Um, the the origin story of the band is, like, I find really fascinating because I feel that a lot of bands are started through, like, you know, people... Um, uh, one is uh, people having a few drinks and being like, we should start a band and that's always how it kind of kicks off. Um, and there's a few other bits and like stories and, and not cliches, but you know, like formulas that have worked. You guys were slightly different and please correct me if I've got any of this story wrong is that at a writing camp, you were kind of put together by, um, by Chris Waller from originally from death cab for cutie. Um, and then, that was kind of where it began or that was a jumping off point. Is that correct? Yeah. Look, I'd say we could definitely credit Chris with the catalyst of us all meeting. Um, the way these songwriting camps work is basically out of a pool of Australian artists and also some international artists. Chris had selected 20. Um, and then in that week, to be honest, I think it was, I don't know how on purpose the rooms were, but you basically get thrown in a room with three random people every day and you've got to write a song. Um, so across the five days I wrote five songs with um, five different sets of people. Um, but, yeah, the Telenova gang, or well, Josh and Ed and myself as we were then known, um, yeah, that was just one of my favourite days and we really loved the song that we wrote um, and we were all doing our own different music projects at the time, but we just kept meeting up because it was an enjoyable sort of creative hangout. And <laughs> yeah, and shortly after it was like, well, let's get a beer and let's be friends and let's be a band. So it's <laughs> kind of this weird mix of, yeah, it, it did actually come together pretty organically, but at the same time, I don't think any of our friendship circles or anything like that would have ever overlapped unless we'd been thrown together at this camp. Do you think that... Um even in those first few days of the, like the, the days of the camp, do you think it was like a calculated move by Chris or do you think that it was? <laughs> Someone get him on the line. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure. I do know though that because um, we've, well, Josh has been to several of these writing camps and I've certainly been put, put together in rooms where you're writing with people you've never met. Um, and there was definitely a very strong the, the sort of 20 artists and producers that were selected for this particular songwriting camp. It was obvious that Chris had selected people that all had something quite different and unique to offer. Um, no one was sort of just writing things because it sounded like what's trendy or, um, yeah, what, what are the Ableton packs that people are using at the time or, yeah, everyone sort of had their own, had their own character. So I think he was pretty intentional about pulling together artists. I find the... Um I'm very curious how his mind must work because it must be a very difficult thing to kind of put people together to make them work. I imagine that that while Telenova is a great success story from their camp, there might be another three people that no longer speak to each other or or who knows. Oh, oh, definitely. I mean, yeah, the point of those camps is it's not even necessarily to form a band. It's just kind of like let's throw different creatives in a room and maybe it'll push them to to create music or that they might pitch to another artist or they might release for their own project. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty interesting thing. There's not really a clear like out output <laughs> from these camps. They just throw <laughs> throw people together and see if something happens. See what works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that. It is interesting that the dynamics of the three of you as well, because I think uh, again, as you said, kind of it wouldn't have happened with like the the overlay or the the kind of groups that you do uh, that you guys are in initially, but 
there is yourself who's a little bit of a jack of all trades, who's a musician. Mm-hmm. You're also a director. Um, Josh is from Miami Horror and yes. Ed's from Slum Sociable. And so it is like, do you find that the three of you having creative backgrounds but nothing to do with each other beforehand that when Intel and know that you're able to bring these different elements to the party to kind of complement each other well? Yeah, definitely. I think um, that's one of our strengths in the way that the sort of creative chemistry works is that none of us are really stepping on each other's toes in terms of what we bring. Um, yeah, so sort of from my cinema background and from my songwriting background, there's a pretty heavy focus on storytelling and the sort of mood and feel um, and sort of visual imagery side of um, creating music and the body of work as a whole. And Josh is just this incredible musician who plays every instrument, has played to crowds of, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands. My dad told me at dinner the other night, he's like, yeah, I was watching like Miami Horror Tour videos from like 10 years ago. He's played to some big crowds. I'm like, yeah, dad is a bit of a big deal. Um, so yeah, he's, he's our sort of cordsmith and Ed, I mean, I was, a, I was a fan of Slum Sociable from when I first heard their music. Um, and he's got some really unique production flair that, yeah, he's got a really unique stamp that I feel like you can hear on every everything that he's produced. Um, and he sort of makes our music cool. <laughs> <laughs> it very it very much sounds like, um, oh, not that everyone has their own little designated spot, but as you said, it sounds like yeah. everyone definitely has their own thing that they bring to the table and um, uh, that it does work quite well. Yeah, and I think it, it enables us to sort of learn from each other as well, which is, yeah which is nice. Of course, I can definitely imagine that you're, um, more, that all three are picking up, you know, bits and pieces that might not have uh, been used or thought of before. For you being a film director and a musician, was there, I'm very curious just because it is, you know, you sometimes hear of like actor musicians or um, musicians who take on like another, but directing is quite a different to my understanding, <laughs> it's quite a different beast. Um, I guess, firstly, what of the t- the two loves kind of came first for you, and then how did you find your way into the other one? Mm. Oh, honestly, I can't. Um, I mean, as a kid, I was running around the house making up songs. Mum would be like, "You'd point at the washing and see a bug on the wall, and then you'd make it a song." Um, and I was always, <laughs> I was always, I guess a a performer and a storyteller of some sort. Um, yeah, I used to put on little plays in the lounge room for my grandparents and all that sort of thing and <laughs> kind of direct direct the scenes and everything. Um, yeah, I, I've never I, – I couldn't really pinpoint one that came first and it's been an ongoing throughout high school when I actually started, you know, hands-on being able to actually direct things and not just imagine it in my head and then at university <laughs> and after that. Um I was always in a constant struggle between like everyone always tells you you got to focus on one thing and if you don't, you'll just end up being average at everything. Um, and I I really flip-flopped and there'd be a few years where I'd be focusing on music and then I'd go, no, I don't think this is going to work. can't make a living off this. I'm going to go to directing. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I guess they just – I sort of found that the more I tried to fight uh, and pick between them, the more they sort of informed one another and – I realized that the skills and the kind of creative mindset and approach were, were transferable and that I love doing both and I could do both. So yeah, it's, it is, you're right though. Directing is a completely different beast. And, um, 
I guess I must have just been pretty antisocial for several years of my life and a bit of a nerd <laughs> to um, sharpen my skills in both. Because <laughs> did you direct the Telenova music video? Is that correct? I did, yeah, yeah. How do you find being part of the like the project itself? And so it's the band, but then you're also having that other part of it where you're not... I don't want to say like in charge, but like in the, in the shoot, <laughs> you're, the, you're, you're the boss. If the boys yeah. are on this podcast, they'd say I was like in charge. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, no, in, in some elements. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love it. I think I'm, I feel incredibly lucky to be able to direct the visual, the visual context, not just the videos, but kind of the branding and the photos and the artwork and how all that ties together. Um, yeah, it's like finally I don't need to struggle between the two um, with Telenova. I can, I can do music and I can direct and I can have that sort of director's vision over the project um, in lots of nuanced ways. So, yeah, I, I just feel very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> it is very cool. Some of the um, the artwork that has come out so far, I think it is on the band's Instagram for anyone who's listening to this, um, where you've kind of utilised, I think it might be similar to like very old school movie posters from mm. uh yeah from overseas and kind of repurpose them for band promo which they do look very cool <laughs> thank you yeah we've got a few giant <laughs> ones of those floating around that we <laughs> just in our manager's office and <laughs> in our homes but yeah that's we, we kind of like exploring the the wider world of the music um and sort of creating a bit more of a universe around it ryan reynolds here from mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah, of course. With last year, so the these writing camps that we were speaking about before were the start of 2020. Yes. Was there like an initial plan for the band when you finally did sit down and have that beer and discuss the, the other plan? <laughs> was there going to be a release or like a tour last year mm. with COVID or was it? did you find that COVID allowed for you guys to kind of almost... Um, I, I don't like the, the word, but like incubate the, yeah, the yeah. plans a little bit longer and let them grow and flesh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to be honest. So I actually can't remember whether writing camp was at the end of 2019 or 2020. I think it might've been in 2019. Um, so we sort of formed, we officially formed as a band a few months after that. So 2020 was supposed to be the year we'd brought on, um, we'd been approached by caliber management who manage us now. And they'd sort of said, Hey, let's do a six month trial period. Um, 
and we've loved them, so we're still with them. Um, but we talked <laughs> about, yeah, we talked about doing shows. We talked about putting the song out. We talked about making the music video. Um, and so it was basically everything that happened in 2021 was supposed to happen in 2020. That was kind of the rollout strategy. Um, but, yeah, in some ways I'm grateful for it. I mean, we're like, we kind of keep joking that we've been through like two sonic musical evolutions already <laughs> because we've had time to write so much music in one year. Um, but I think it's always nice to be ahead of yourselves and it does mean that, yeah, if, if touring does pick up a bit, um, we've kind of got quite a backlog of songs that we're proud of, that we're, that we're ready to take into the studio and, and record as, um, yeah, for, for the album, for the, for the album. So, yeah. Of course. It, um, I know that you guys had played some shows, uh, I think a few months ago, there was two shows in Sydney and in Melbourne. What was it like being able to bring the project to, to a stage and, and show people? Yeah, uh, I mean, incredible. I think uh, when when I first met the boys, like one of like early on, we would have sort of said, oh, like, what are you guys doing with your music at the moment? Sort of what are you, what are you wanting to get out of music? Um, are you still wanting to do music? You know, why are we meeting up? <laughs> and I... I expressed at one point, you know, I'd, I just missed playing with a band and I'd be pretty happy to just have, have some new friends who I respected musically and I enjoyed hanging out with that we could just play a couple of live shows every now and again to our friends. I think I said, but I'm pleased to say that uh, as my little brother tells me, Hey, when I look around at your gigs now, it's, uh, it's mostly not friends there anymore, is it? (laughs) Um, so yeah, I, well, that kind of answers your question. I, I, I feel really lucky and it's awesome to look out and not recognize the faces in a crowd and, and realize that they've come to see you play, especially going to Sydney. I'd never, ever played a show in Sydney before. And, you know, we were, I think we were at 25 tickets at one point and we thought, okay, cool. That's a modest amount. You know, we thought we wasn't, weren't really sure how our first show was going to go, but by the time it actually rolled up to the Friday night or Thursday night or whatever it was. It was completely sold out. And so walking on the stage and seeing like a full audience of just over a hundred, I think it was, yeah, that was a very cool feeling for a first show in Sydney. Um, for me, the boys have played in Sydney, but, um, yeah. So just looking forward to adding more and more cities and more and more venues. (laughs) I was going to say that, um, next month, uh, you are going out on tour again in support of the EP and you're hitting up, I think Brisbane and Adelaide as well this time. What can people um, expect from those shows? Yeah, well, kind of with the band, like we're growing the live element kind of organically as the music grows as well. Um, There's a lot more energy. I feel like there's a a much bigger energy to the songs that that comes out of hearing them live. Um, And we've started collaborating with a friend of ours, Reese Newling, um, and he does a really interesting visual projections and 3D mapping and um, he's very creative in that. So, yeah, we've been collaborating on how to sort of bring bring those cinematic inspirations into, yeah, into more of an abstract scenic experience for the audience um, to accompany the music in a pretty tailored way. So, yeah, that's fun. That's what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was going to ask because, yeah, from a directing background, I can imagine that, not only as we spoke about like the posters or promo, whatever it may be, but even from a live aspect, a live show is quite a visual um, medium for the band. Um, And yeah, do you ever find yourself kind of bringing in elements or even in rehearsals, taking a step back and looking at it from a different perspective and being like, we could do this or 
have it yeah. look like this or, yeah, putting the director's cap on as well as the... <laughs> Yeah, totally. I kind of, I mean, I guess I was always directing for screen, not so much for stage. And to be honest, in live performance, I've had a preference for for sort of letting the band stand out that I'm seeing and experience that kind of connection. Sometimes I find like the big LED screens at the back with heaps of, you know, information and lights flashing. I find it kind of detracts from like the reality of what I'm experiencing. So yeah, I think for me it's about finding that balance of how to do things tastefully and in an interesting way to sort of create an ambience without without taking from just the, the rawness of there are people on a stage playing music and I'm a part of that and that's kind of, that's actually enough, you know, um, how to amplify <laughs> that experience, yeah. Of course, it's... Um... It is very exciting, and I know I've already spoken to some people who are excited to, to come see you play um, <laughs> That's <great>. here in Adelaide. <laughs> um, Angeline, would you be happy to talk about the playlist that you sent through to us? Yes. Firstly, um, so we've had quite a number of episodes uh, in the podcast and we do try not to, you know, like play favorites or like showcase yeah. <laughs> one place more than the other. This is out of, I think uh, this will be when it, when it does air, this is episode maybe 58 or so. And this is the one that's wow. closest to my record collection. Oh yeah. I actually can see the national uh, vinyl cover behind you there. <laughs> I might have um, moved some things around for you. Yeah, nice. there, yes. <laughs> I'm curious, just to begin with, uh, I know you said before, like walking around the house when you were young and singing, your music collection or your music taste, if you will, um, was that something that you got from your parents? Were they musical or have they passed on any gems to you? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, a lot of the ones I've put in this playlist were from friends in high school because I think that was my most sort of formative. Dad Dad still likes to turn YouTube on on the TV and be like, oh, watch this, like, top top 10 hits from 1973. These were all my favourites or something. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Dad was a big disco man. He was a big Bee Gees fan, Fleetwood Mac, Bob Dylan, Johnny Cash, U2. Um, so I grew up kind of my primary school years and early high school years was like dad music. Um, and mum, like, I mean, yeah, dad's not a musician. Mum, mum can play music, but she, she never sort of had the chance to fully explore it. Um, she became a nurse to sort of help financially support her family back home in the Philippines. Um, but yeah, I mean, from her, there was sort of like, I, I discovered this Filipino folk music called Kundaman music, which I listen to occasionally, even though I don't understand all the words. Um, and she used to play some pretty strange stuff. I don't know where she got them from, but she used to play us a lot of Deep Forest as a kid, which I don't know if you're familiar with Deep Forest, but it's like French electronic ambient. Uh, and they sampled, uh, I think it was like African tribe, tribal like songs and chorus. And then, Anyway, so I actually didn't yeah, even put Deep, Deep Forest <laughs> on my playlist, so I better add that in after this podcast. Um, but I got that from my parents. And then high school, it was like burnt CDs, mixtapes, USBs with just like here's the music you need to listen to from, you know, 
the cool kids at school that had downloaded it off LimeWire. And so that's where the majority <laughs> of uh, <laughs> the majority of this playlist, um, I'm showing my age here as well, um, that's where the majority of that playlist comes from um, with those USBs in high school. I was That was uh, my follow-up was, because um, I, I could be very wrong, uh, but I was going to guess that you were a child maybe or like in high school in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, yes. because like it just reads like the killers, <laughs> um, the strokes, the shins, vampire weekend. Yeah. 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 Firstly, I guess how, oh, how many of these songs have formative memories, uh, for you in terms of high school and, and relating it back to that? Yeah. yeah. Um, Oh, I mean, all of them. I feel like most of them I can scroll through and like a memory of listening to that song will immediately kind of come to mind. Um, like the the Born to Die album by Lana Del Rey just like blew my mind <laughs> when it first came out. And I, I listened to it so loud through these crappy like iPhone speakers, uh, headphones, that, earphones that were like crackling because I'd overused them too much. And I can remember like walking from the train station to home just like, just loving this world that she was in that, you know, 13, 14-year-old me was completely removed from. Um, and, yeah, I mean, bands like Fleet Foxes um, when I, and, like, Sigur Ross, when I first heard that kind of music, I, I just couldn't believe that music existed like that that seemed to come from another time and another place and, and another world. It seemed to come from you know, books that I'd read or something. It didn't, yeah, it didn't seem like it came from the radio. Um, so, I, yeah, I think all of the music on this playlist for me in some way it belongs to a universe of its own and that's what I've always loved about, um, yeah, about artists, that it's it goes even beyond the music to, yeah, to creating this other world that you can escape into every time you listen. Definitely. I can definitely agree with that. And with the, the comment about Sigouros and Fleet Foxes, it is oh. um, like almost otherworldly or um, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious at any point because Telenova, there are like bits of um, the genre of the band, like there are, there are elements of indie, but could we at any point, maybe in a different timeline, see you like fronting a, like a Strokes-esque Killers-esque, <laughs> like indie rock kind of power, power pop almost, if you will, like band. Yeah, for sure. I can see, I can see myself doing that. <laughs> I, it, yeah, it's the fascinating thing about how people hear and experience music as well, because, you know, I mean, maybe to me, um, Telenova does feel like it would exist alongside Vampire Weekend and alongside Radiohead and alongside The Killers, but to my bandmates, I don't, I actually don't know where they, um, in the music industry, you know, you sort of talk about like positioning and aligning and it's like, this act <laughs> sounds like these bands. And I just think that I've had multiple people like audience and friends. And I mean, my dad's like, it reminds me of the music when I was growing up <laughs> and we've had a lot of like <laughs> middle-aged slash retired people like commenting on our YouTube. And then we've like, my brother's still in high school. And so he's got high school friends just like it sounds like the stuff on Triple J, you know. So I don't know. Everyone sort of hears and receives it differently. Um, but, yeah, for sure, I'd, I'd front any of those bands in my playlist. <laughs> <laughs> it's very cool that the fact that it can kind of be like um, not representative of a time in, in the fact that your brother and his friends can enjoy it, that 
uh, your dad and his friends can enjoy it yeah. and that, that it still exists. Yeah, it's it's very cool. One thing I wanted to ask about, uh, Jeff Buckley, Love You Should yes. Have Come Over. Absolutely gorgeous <laughs> song. Um, what does this song mean to you or does it have like a certain memory that you're yeah. um, comfortable to talk about, obviously? I'm sure it's about a lover I had when I was 13. No, um, it's, it's just, it probably just defines a time in my life where I was listening to this sort of like, oh, I'm so mature and maybe I'll have a glass of red wine while I listen to this sort of heartbreaking music and I'll cry into my pillow. And it's like my teen angst when I was learning electric guitar on my own in my room and didn't hang out with anybody like that. <laughs> That's where this music comes from. Probably like the first Radiohead song I'd ever heard was Fake Plastic Trees and it was kind of like crying to that song and crying to a bunch of other songs. Um, yeah, so that's <laughs> that's the honest answer of, of where Jeff Buckley fits uh, into, <laughs> into my listening. <laughs> I feel like um, it is almost like a rite of passage, Jeff Buckley yeah. and um, Radiohead to you almost get too ahead of yourself in terms of like, oh, yeah, I am really mature. This is incredible yeah. and then... Um, later on you're like, it, it is, the music is still incredible, but I maybe wasn't as mature as I thought. But. That's right. I mean, I was like in love with Jeff Buckley and all I had to go off was like his face on the front cover of that album <laughs> and the songs <laughs> that I listened to. didn't know anything about him. Um, but yeah, I, I still love that song and I still play that song a lot. Um, I think that album is, yeah, that's a really fine piece of work. The emotion in that is incredible. It is, um, yeah, it is an incredible album. Uh, the the other track I wanted to quickly talk about was Green Eyes by Coldplay from yes. um, Rush of Blood to the Head because I feel like these days Coldplay gets like a little bit of a bad rap or like <laughs> might be, you know. <laughs> um, what was it about this song that, that made you put it on the playlist? Yeah, uh, I mean, I loved that whole era of Coldplay. Um, even Fix You, which was divisive, um, but like para- parachutes and yeah, just just all of that earlier, um, their earlier work. Um, and Green Eyes, yeah, I think a lot of these songs made me feel something that felt kind of familiar, but also felt like yeah, perhaps it was like a, a time that I was coming into, or it was a feeling I wanted to, you know. Um, like some of those Jeff Buckley songs, they made me feel things, but I was also very aware that I hadn't really experienced any of the things that these songs were about, um, <laughs> but that I sort of craved to and I wanted to. Um, and I think Green Eyes had that same um, sort of like, yeah, there was like a nostalgia as if I was much older and I was looking back on something. That's what those songs feel like to me. Um, I also played, I covered Green Eyes with my first band, who was me and two of my best friends, three girls, and we strum on our little acoustic guitars pretty poorly and sing three-part three harmonies and we were the hit of the school. Um, and we played that song at my friend's mum's wedding as well um, and she's since passed away. So that song is, um, yeah, it's pretty important uh, and integral to that. Yeah, experiencing a lot of things as a teenager in pretty big ways. Yeah, definitely. It, um, it is a gorgeous song and it sounds like there's some uh, very nice memories attached to it um, for you. Yeah. Uh, Angeline, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. I do appreciate it. And uh, congratulations again on the EP, which is out now. Thank you so much. You're so very welcome. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Angeline for her time. 
Tranquilize is out now and we've left links in the show notes for you to stream the EP and buy tickets to their upcoming shows. We also want to give a huge shout out to Charlie at Remote Control Records for helping out with today's interview. You can find a link to our Spotify playlist in the show notes where you'll be able to listen to all of Angeline's picks. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Thursday and Friday morning with guest playlists streaming on Spotify at the same time. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.